0: We are here with Southern Miss Director of Athletics, Bill McGillis. How you doing today, Bill?
1: I'll tell you what, this is overdue, my man. I've been looking forward to to the top talk. You know, I have that with myself every night, but, uh, (laughs) but it's nice, it's nice to have it with, uh, with a colleague.
0: You know, I'm sure, I know that you've told me in the past that you listen to this to get your policy. And, uh, I think it's good to finally, finally have you on here.
1: Well, you know it is. I've got my executive cabinet. Um, I've got the to the top talk ownership group, and then I've got the big gold nation subscriber uh, mafia and uh, and that and that is really you know uh, serves me well.
0: Well, you got some good things going on right now. You got some stuff that no matter what's going on, you can look to some of the good things happening with the alumni of the university. And you can look no further than the Olympics right now with uh, Tori Bowie and uh, Miriam Croma getting to compete in Rio.
1: I'll tell you what it's uh, it has been uh, amazing, and and really the whole summer, um, Jamie. You know, I I'll actually go back as I think about it back to the amazing run, um, the outstanding baseball season by Scott Barry and the Golden Eagles, and uh, which culminated in you know the Conference USA tournament. And that final play at the plate to win the conference championship, and that kind of launched us into, a I think, an exciting summer. And and you know, having Brian Dozier on fire and doing the things that he's doing right now, uh, Brett being inducted into the Hall of Fame two weeks ago, and then as you mentioned, these Olympic games, and and uh, you know, and both both with Tory and with Miriam, and 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 Tory, rightfully so. Uh, as one of the fastest women in the world, and and just her astonishing success has been tremendous. But I'm also just so proud of Miriam, who's flown under the radar. Of course, represented Liberia, not the United States. But it's really neat to have someone who was just here this season represent the university so well. And and, and Tori's done a great job of that. You know, we honored her last year at a football game, and but I haven't really yet got the chance to know her. So I'm looking forward to doing that. She's a you know, it's an amazing story um, from, you know, small town Mississippi to Rio de Janeiro. And yet she's just embarking on her career. So uh, I think wonderful things are in store for her. But all those things I mentioned um, this summer, Jamie, I think just they enhanced the brand of Southern Miss. Even even, you know, Brett wearing that uh, Southern Miss baseball visor, you know, when he's on the John Gruden you know, quarterback uh, show a couple of weeks ago. It's all it's all wonderful publicity for the university by great ambassadors of the university.
0: Now, it, I've been trying to figure this out. I was thinking about it earlier before I talked to you, and you have a very unique accent as far as it relates to people around here, and you are actually from the Seattle area. Is that correct?
1: I am. That's uh, born and bred, and that's where my family still is. I'm actually one of 11 Nine of my 10 siblings live in, live in the Seattle area. One of them's in Dallas and, and my wife is one of five and they're all in Seattle. So Seattle along with Hattiesburg would be home. You know, I've, i just told someone this week, there's no question we will end up in Seattle. The, the only, the only question within the question is whether it's when I'm six feet under the ground or sometime before that. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not sure, but, uh, Seattle is home, but you know, we lived around the country. Yeah. The accent, I guess it, it, cause it always hasn't been this way, but there's no question it's evolved after, you know, out of college, 13 years of living in Houston, Texas and, and then, uh, time in the Midwest and then in, in the Southeast in Florida again. And, and now my time in Mississippi. So, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, I guess. If you bring it up, it must be, you know, interesting in some way.
0: Well, you're very clear. I I have a tendency to slur, you know, we get a little lazy down here and I can slur my speech and, you know, but you're very, very uh, concise with what you say and it's understandable. So, uh, and I think that goes a long way when you're trying to explain things to uh, fans like myself. But I'll tell you, (laughs)
1: trouble, trouble for me is when the temperature gets under about 50. Yeah. And, uh, I just can't talk when it's cold. And, uh, so don't look for me to work in the Big Ten or, Anywhere, anywhere that's cold, uh, during the rest of my professional life, I think, I think that, uh, it's Hattiesburg and, uh, temperatures like this.
0: Well, a little bit about you. How did you get interested in sports administration?
1: I had a mentor in high school in Seattle that, uh, was actually a grade school teacher who became a mentor in high school, but, when the Seattle Mariners were founded in in the 70s, and and I think 77 was their first year, um, this gentleman who had been a teacher went to work in promotions for the Mariners. And uh, I was blessed, I guess as a ninth grader, to be given the opportunity to, to go to work for the Mariners. So throughout high school and, and college, probably for six or seven years I worked for the Seattle Mariners in the clubhouse as a bat boy. I was actually a bat boy in the seventy eight All Star game, sitting sat with Reggie Jackson most of that game. Oh wow. And yeah. And uh you know was not a good enough athlete to, to play in college and, and uh but knew during that time um with the Mariners that I wanted to work in sports. So that's when it developed and that gentleman, his name is Jack Carvalho, he ended up uh, steering me towards an opportunity um, right out of high school at, at Idaho State University with a friend of his to work in their athletic department, um, which was great. And then I subsequently transferred to St. Thomas University um, in Miami, which in the in the early 80s, Jamie, was one of only literally only three or four, maybe five schools in the nation that had a degree in sports management. Now, almost every major university has that major, including Southern Miss, but at that time, it was only a handful. And St. Thomas was one of um, the most prominent. It was actually a campus where the Orioles and the Dolphins both had their training camps back in the day. And so there was an opportunity there for their students to really be involved in those kinds of events and in those organizations. And so it was the practical experience that you could gain in Miami that Drew me there and this is bringing me back to, uh, remembering at this moment, my mother and I driving 33 or 3400 miles from Seattle, Washington in my Toyota Corolla to, uh, to Miami, uh, Florida, uh, for me to go to college there. And that was a blessing and that got me more involved. I started working in their athletic department actually while a student and, uh, became close with the athletic director and basketball coach there. Decided then that it was going to be college sports for me. And then, you know, went, did an internship at Houston. And I started at Houston as an intern in the fall of 1984. And we went to the Cotton Bowl that year, played against Doug Flutie. And the next year, I was hired on a permanent basis in the athletic director's office. Andre Ware won the Heisman Trophy within a year or two. So early on, I had some fantastic experiences. But started there as an intern and left there. As the number two at Houston and and just have continued my professional journey since then.
0: Yeah, it stops at what? New Mexico, Evansville, and South Florida. When the opportunity presented itself, why did you choose to come to Southern Miss?
1: Also, just backing up a bit because it, it's not talked about much, but uh, in between Houston and New Mexico, I actually deviated, Jamie, for a year and a half and worked in women's professional basketball as the general manager of... A startup franchise at the time in Long Beach, California. So, oh wow, which was really fascinating. Um, that was the American Basketball League, the ABL, which was the precursor by a year to the WNBA, and then kind of all morphed together. That was really a, a tremendous experience professionally, because that was the private sector, and the ABL was founded by three Stanford grads who loved women's basketball and started that league with probably the Almost all of the U.S. Olympians were were in that league initially before the WNBA came a couple of years later. But uh, but but that was neat because that was that was you know zero employees, no coach, no office, no telephones, no market zero. It was a true startup entrepreneurial endeavor, which I really treasured later in my career. But you know I came to Southern Miss for two or three or four reasons. I had, I first became really familiar with Southern Miss when I was at the University of Houston and when Conference USA was formed in the nineties, I was the number two at Houston. I was in on some of those very first Conference USA meetings when the league was being established. And I remember sitting next to Bill McClellan, the AD at Southern Miss at the time, dollar Bill McClellan, one of the, uh, most unique characters in the history of college athletics, and, and our fans that knew him uh, know what I'm talking about. He had that cigar in his mouth, and, you know, he was winding down his career, and I was starting mine, and it was just awesome to sit next to him in these meetings, and I found myself intentionally doing that and learning a lot about Southern Miss in the process, and so, uh, and then, of course, um, you know, we did battle with Southern Miss, and Um, And so I I began following Southern Miss in the 90s, you know, and followed it from afar, but fairly diligently up until I came here. I knew the tradition of Southern Miss. I knew the passion for Southern Miss. I knew the competitive history of Southern Miss. And those things were attractive to me. Um, I also felt like at that time that the university needed leadership because of the change and the turmoil and 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 so it felt like the university was was seeking that and and I felt like that was something I could contribute to you know and then the final thing was Dr. Bennett who was starting his presidency and that alignment is so important when you're an AD and you know I've, I I felt like uh he would be very very supportive of athletics and that uh we could turn this thing around and and build on the the history and the great work done by others before me under Doctor Bennett's leadership, and uh, and make good things happen, you know, I really I really felt like I knew what the job would be. I really felt pretty strongly about that. You know, the challenges I thought would be severe, and they are, and yet I thought the opportunities would uh, surpass the challenges, um, and they do. The only piece I really didn't feel like I had a handle on at that time was. You know, what would life for a Seattle boy and girl and more and more importantly, the girl be, you know, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, given that we had never lived in the deep south. And um, and and so I just wasn't quite sure about that. But during our visit, when we came up quietly without even telling anybody at the university we were coming it it felt good to us, you know, that weekend when we drove up and to be totally honest, for everything I've enjoyed through the challenges at Southern Miss in our athletics department, life in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and in South Mississippi, really and truly has been the best part of this journey. Um, We have found it to be just for us, just a fabulous place to live. Great community, great sense of community. You know, good for our children who are with us. We have some who aren't with us, but the ones that are, are with us, it's been great for them. Uh, schools are good, housing's good. I love living, you know, four minutes from the office and down the street from the Arrington family. Uh, <laughs> so, life's been good uh, to us, and we're blessed to be here.
0: What What are your impressions of Southern Miss now that you've been here for three years?
1: Really, what I thought coming in, I think there's a there's a, you know, I think at the university, and again, not to get corny and not to be overly redundant, but I always talk about the place in terms of the spirit of Southern Miss. And the sense of community. Um, I've been with some design firms quite a bit this spring and summer in talking about some of the facilities that, you know, we've got ongoing. And, and we've got a, a firm that we've retained to do all the graphics that will go in the locker room and, uh, weight room and other spaces. And they always ask, they do these like inspirational sessions where they try to understand. You know, the client and the place that they're serving. And so I've had a lot of time to reflect on, you know, that question and, and, and what Southern Miss is all about. And really for me, that's what it is. It's, it's, there's a spirit about this place. There's a sense of community about this place. Um, that's very unique and I think special. I had about two weeks ago when this firm came in to do one of those sessions, I made them watch a video. That we always show our, our football recruits every Saturday during that December, January recruiting window when they come on official visits. And it's a video of John Cox interviewing Brett Favre, you know, on a, in kind of a living room setting. And Brett's talking about his experience and why he chose Southern Miss and, and John throughout the video is talking about historical moments. He's talking about the TCU game. He's talking about winning at Alabama and Bears last game. He actually reads a quote in that video from Mickey Spagnola after we beat Alabama about who Southern Miss is and why you don't want to play him and the spirit of Southern Miss. And I made them watch that video because I think you come away with it understanding Southern Miss better. And we're now going to take that sort of that message and that spirit and try to bring it to life in this new football locker room through the displays that are in there. Um, the words that are in there, the messages that are in there. And to me, it represents more than just Southern Miss football. You know, it's really what the what the place is all about.
0: Talk to us a little bit about the renovations up there at the Athletic Center.
1: You know, I'm really pleased with a lot of the progress on the facilities front. Uh, longer term, we'll find a way to knock out the Reed Green Coliseum. You know, that's probably a three, four, five year window in which we need to get that done. And there's a lot that will go into that. You know, and primarily it's going to be finding that multifaceted funding model to make it work. And, and once we once we clear the deck of some of these shorter term and midterm projects, get the football season started and get a couple other things behind us, then, then I'll get focused again on pushing that ahead. But some of these shorter term things, um, you know, I think the weight room expansion turned out really well. We expanded it by about 25%. All brand new equipment, brand new weights, brand new flooring. It's all new and it's bigger. And, uh, during the, uh, the rest of August and the first couple weeks of September, we'll come in there and, uh, d- add two more pieces. We're going to add a nutrition bar directly in there besides a nutrition center we're going to build, but we're going to right in there, we're going to put a nutrition bar for the, uh, sort of the quick serve recovery kinds of products that that we want our student athletes from a nut- nutritional perspective to have right after a workout. That'll be a really nice piece. And then the graphics, kind of the the wow factor, uh, which will come that'll come as well over these next 30 days. We're gonna we're gonna finish off the locker room first, then go back into the weight room to add the graphics. So real pleased with with the weight room, the locker room. Our team will move in it. Uh, as soon as two days are over on Monday or Tuesday, uh, they'll move in before the first day of school. They could have moved in already, but given the wear and tear kind of that you experienced during the dog days of August and two days, and our desire to get a few of the finishing touches on there, uh, Jay has kept the team down in the south end zone in the visitors' locker room during two days, and I think that's been that's been good. We'll get you through the through the locker room for a tour, Jamie, and some of some of your followers as well. Um, once we get that open again, we'll, we'll do some tour stuff, but I took someone through there this morning and I've been through it every day, you know, while construction, construction has been going on. So I wonder sometimes if I'm, you know, overselling how nice it is, but every single time I brought an outsider in there, they're blown away. And, And I had a couple in there this morning and you know, they were, they were just like, wow, this is amazing and and it is it's a very unique design number 1 and then the color scheme um, and sort of the industrial nature of the locker room speaks to southern miss and the anyone anywhere anytime hard scrabble you know tough determined brand that we have it's all the whole locker room was designed and built to represent that it will be a smashing success on the recruiting front and I think very uplifting for this year's football team when they can move into it, you know, a, a, a week before, you know, going to uh, Lexington. So so that real pleased with that. Uh, and again, that'll be done any day. Uh, graphics will go in this weekend and early next week. And then we'll shift to the um, nutrition center upstairs. Knock that out this fall. That sort of a uh, renovation, uh, conversion, refurbishing, of, of if you will, of the M Club Letterman's Lounge, which overlooks the field. Uh, again, it's uh, spectacular real estate, glass on two sides. Uh, it's a very prominent recruiting destination for Jay to take advantage of once it's redone. Um, it will serve all of our student athletes in terms of... Um, Team meals will will uh, be offered in there, snacks will be offered in there, uh, so it will become a destination for our student athletes. Um, and then and then the refurbishing also will dramatically enhance it for our letter winners who use it every Saturday on game day. It's it's their special place on those days as well as for their meetings. So I'm excited about that for our M Club members. And that, that should get completed this fall. My goal is to have that ready if possible before that December, January, uh, recruiting period. And then the Bauer Academic Excellence Center actually I have an architect coming in this week to visit about that again. That, you know, was announced last year as a $2 million campaign. We're about 1.5 million. I believe we'll be at 1.6 million probably by the end of this week. And uh, so people have been supportive of that project. Uh, A few people in a very, very generous way and many others, you know, have contributed and and have been generous as well. And that academic center, again, will benefit all 16 teams, all 360 student athletes. It'll be very important in recruiting, but also very important in terms of serving our, our current student athletes and helping them achieve their educational aspirations and and uh you know for them to fulfill their academic potential and uh the space we're in right now is just awful just terrible and uh but we still manage to perform well in the classroom because kids want to perform well in the classroom but this academic center will have classroom space computer lab space library space academic advising space career development kind of space, life skills space, all those kinds of things that um, are so important to us. You've heard me mention before, I keep that coin in my pos- pocket and I never get tired of talking about what our vision is for this program. And that's winning in the classroom, winning on the playing field and winning in the community. And these facilities are, are going to help us do those things. Um, we've got Kind of mid-term and longer-term projects in addition to the Coliseum, Jamie. I want to make sure we build clubhouses at our tennis facility, at our track and soccer facility, and at our, uh, golf facility at the Hattiesburg Country Club. All, all of those teams that use those facilities have pretty good, have pretty good, pl- uh, competitive, um, venues, but really, really poor Locker room venues and they're really, really poor from a spectator amenity, you know, perspective. You go out to a tennis match, you know, the, the, the setting is nice. The courts are fantastic, but you got to go use a porta potty, right you know, or, or, or a, or a, your team has to dress in a trailer. And, uh, we're going to get those things knocked out in the midterm and, uh, you know, take care of volleyball and the basketball programs with the Coliseum renovation. Make sure we continue to invest in Pete Taylor Park. You know, every year try to do something or every other year try to do something. Same thing with softball, which is kind of a mini version of Pete Taylor Park. And I'm I'm looking out my window right now at, at the Rock. And uh, I love the Rock. Um, it was one of the reasons I came here. Uh, kind of my first image of the place. And my wife sat out in the car when we pulled up that first day. And I walked into the Rock. It was you know, about a 100 degrees out, smoking hot, and I stood by that Eagle in the north end zone. The stadium was empty on a Sunday afternoon, and I looked out there, and I'm like, wow, you can do it here. And that's how I feel about the Rock. It is a excellent, excellent setting for college football, but there's also a lot of infrastructure that, you know, we're going dr- to have to address for the long term. You know, the south end zone complex that was built seven or eight years ago is tremendous tremendous it's an intimate stadium it's the right size stadium you know it's it's uh i'm standing out there right now and i just love this place but i also know there's some things that we need to improve there over time so that that's where we are on the facilities front
0: you know when i was when i was down there on the sideline way back in the day when the when the place was packed out you would not find a louder stadium on the field than the rock yeah You know, and, and, you know, I haven't really
1: experienced that. I experienced a full house for the, for the Mississippi state game and our fans represented really, really well, but we were behind most that game. So it was never, you know, bedlam, but when we went on the, to the top tour this summer and in the many other speaking engagements, Jay and I have done together, Jay always talks about that TCU game, Jamie in 2003, I guess. And he always points out to people that he asked people, show of hands, who was at the TCU game? A lot of hands go up, you know, and, and he says, you know, and he's been in, he's been at Michigan, okay? He's been all over the country, but but he maintains that that environment that night was as big time, as loud as, as anywhere in America, and that you couldn't have a better environment anywhere than we did that night. And if we if we could have it that night in 2003, we can have it in 2016 and 17 and 18 and 19 and 20. We just got to get people to show up, which is another which is another term that Jay likes to use. You know, it's 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 about showing up and it really it can't matter if it's Savannah State, Mississippi State or or Louisiana Tech. It needs to be about Southern Miss, not the opponent and people wanting to come. Watch Southern Miss and support Southern Miss. And we've got some rabid fans that do that. We have some other, you know, great fans who, who don't find their way to, to the rock for one reason or another. And we need them to come. I've said many times our only challenge is resources. It's not conference alignment. It's not leadership among coaches. It's not a lack of a recruiting base. It's not tradition. I mean, we've got a lot of great assets. I've just rattled off some of those. Um, you know, filling the stadium and then the other venues is, is, is really what's imperative for our future success so that we do have the resources. If we fill the rock, it will drive everything we do. It'll drive fundraising through the Eagle Club. It will drive merchandise sales, licensing, concessions, parking recruiting you know sponsorship media rights fees you know all of it you know people often talk to me in terms of Hattiesburg's always been that way um we've never been able to fill it or on a consistent basis you know for sure and 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 sort of speak to it with a glass half empty perspective and i know what they're saying is true because I've seen the historical numbers. But I look at it from a glass half full perspective and it's a new era, it's a new time and that presents new challenges in, in terms of how great that living room experience is and how many other games are on TV and the, uh, the media monster that is the Southeastern Conference and so on and so forth. But I absolutely truly believe that if we have an outstanding program that's winning in, uh, in the classroom, winning on the playing field, winning in the community... Bringing home championships that I do believe people will respond here. I just believe it. I could be proven wrong in the future, but you know, we haven't yet done that for quite some time. And, uh, I'm hopeful that in 2016, uh, we can catapult this thing to a, to a new level and then just keep building from there, Jamie.
0: What are your thoughts on the football team this year? There's a lot of momentum and a lot of buzz going on about this 2016 Golden Eagle team.
1: I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm, I am a, a per, I am glass half full by nature. I, I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I'm not someone who, who ever gets too high or too low. I think I'm pretty consistent emotionally. Uh, and I think I need to be in this role. You know, I'm not going to go dogpile when we win the conference, uh, <laughs> USA ba- ba- baseball championship, even though I thought about it for a moment. And, and, and when, you know, you're in the midst of a baseball season like we had in 2015, where a lot of fans were distressed, in particular at the end of the year, I think because my even keel nature, I was able to see beyond the fact that we were not in the postseason and Recognized that we had an NCAA tournament team. We had a good, solid year, and so while I was disappointed we weren't in the NCAA tournament, you know, despair was not an emotion I had. We had a good team, good staff, good players. You know, we fell a game or two short, or or a decision of a committee short in terms of votes. So, having said that, I like our chances going into 2016-17 uh, and this and this football season that's upon us. You know, I think we've got a great challenge to open the season in Lexington, a great challenge. Um, our people are rightfully optimistic about that game because we have a good football team. We had a good football team last year. We've got a four-year starter coming back at quarterback. We've got a 1,000-yard rusher, good players on defense. You know, uh, Kentucky struggled late in the year. So people see that as an opportunity. I do as well. I also know that Mark Stoops has... Killed it in recruiting for three years. Killed it. And Kentucky is going to win games in the future. So I think it's going to be a tremendous challenge, uh, and a great opportunity for us. And, and when I look beyond that week by week, I think there's, there's winnable games. And Jay talks about taking the field every time expecting to win. And I believe our football team will go to Lexington, come home to play, uh, Savannah State, take the field against Troy, you know go to UTep for the conference opener expecting to win every one of those and um we've got a good experienced team i don't think our depth you know is yet back to the to the level of the consistent championship uh level teams at southern miss probably a little short there but a lot of good players good character um were were healthy
0: can you hear me knocking on wood? I can. I can. We
1: are we are healthy right now for the most part. Uh we need to stay that way to have a great year and we need to perform, you know. A little part of me, you know, has caused me to be a bit concerned about all of the accolades this team has received in the preseason, generally being the consensus choice to win the West, um, generally being ch- uh uh, chosen in, you know, preseason to win the league, all, all of the, you know, deserved honors that Nick and Cameron Tom, uh, and Ito have received going into the season, you know, with all of that, I'm a little concerned, not by the individuals. I'm not concerned that Nick Mullins, you know, is, is, is going to overlook anybody, but collectively this team has been hyped, you know, fairly highly. And, uh, I hope that these players have not forgotten where we were and uh, the grind that it took over three years to get to this point, that they keep that Southern Miss edge, you know, and uh, remain humble, continue to work, get better uh, tonight at our afternoon practice, get better tomorrow. You can't go play Kentucky this weekend. It's, it's two weeks from this weekend. But I feel good. We're talented. Great coaching staff. Love the way that that transition has gone. Jay has been superb. I think his staff's got good chemistry. I think they have bonded well with with this team. I think our team believes in this staff. I think collectively there's confidence. You know, I remember thinking as recently as early last year, maybe the middle of last year, that recently, that, you know, we just don't have any swagger which was probably the word as an outsider i would have always used for southern miss football yeah and and we had no swagger in 2012 well i don't know if we did i wasn't here but we didn't have any swagger. Well, we did we didn't have any swagger in 2013 we didn't have any swagger in 2014 even though we were getting better we didn't have confidence we didn't have swagger and last year you could see there was a turning point maybe it was maybe it was going toe to toe with Nebraska in the second half and taking that game down to the wire and Nick Mullins getting smoked six or seven times and getting back up every time and completing a dart, you know, to a receiver and having the last possession of the game with a chance to, to take it into overtime. Maybe that was the turning point or maybe it was a week after, maybe it was going to rice, you know, when we scored every time we had the ball and stopped them. I don't know. But the swagger returned at some point last year to a certain degree and I'm looking for that to reach a zenith, you know, over the next couple of years. Hopefully sooner rather than later.
0: How much of a of a part do you think Zach Woodfin had in all that? Huge part. Huge part.
1: Zach Woodfin has a has an it factor quote it factor about him that's rare. We have a hundred employees. And I, I mean this sincerely, it's not going to happen because of, you know, his professional path and, um, a lot of reasons. But if, if, if Daniel Feig, who's our executive associate AD, the number two in our department, if Daniel left, um, the university, I could pull Zach Woodfin out of the weight room and make him the executive associate AD because Zach Woodfin is all about leadership inspiration authenticity substance focus and it doesn't matter if it's a football team our tennis team my administrative staff our fans he's a magnet for people and and there's no question he contributed immensely to our advancement last year along with a great coaching staff last year there's no question in my mind that having that consistent voice from last year to this year to go along with the new voices of Coach Hobson, Coach Pecorero, Coach Dawson, and the other members of the staff that collectively have, have uh, served us so well. They, you know, it, it's, all, it's all because of the collective group, but, but that voice not changing in January, February, March, I think has helped us get to this point uh, without losing a beat. You know, he doesn't use profanity. He does not rant and rave. Uh, he's not a clown like a lot of those guys. Um, he's a leader of men and a leader of women, and he exudes it every day. There, There is some outstanding strength coaches in America. There, there can be none better than Zach Woodfin.
0: I interviewed him a few weeks back, and then when we finished, I got up and did some push-ups. I just couldn't help myself.
1: So how many how many guys and gals from around here have you invited to be on your show before the athletic director made its
0: made its way to <laughs> be the top talk? You're going to be on episode number 28. You'll be on 28. Wow, about. wow. You probably
1: had Brent Jones and
0: unfortunately, you know. unfortunately, I had Brent. Yeah,
1: Jones. well, I'm glad I could <laughs> finally join you. This has been this has been great. I do. You know what? I you've you've seen me before. Um, tweet about sharing the gospel of the Golden Eagles around uh, the state, the region and America. This is another opportunity, you know, to to just talk about a place that's in a program that's special. And, and I've done a lot of things today, Jamie, I've worked. Um, and part of the things that's fascinating about a job, the job of an athletic director is the diversity of what you do. You know, I started this morning, I opened my day, you know, probably at seven, going over some emails from the graphic design firm that's finishing off the locker room, and so I was in the mode of thinking about the Southern Miss message and whether I liked the pictures and and these these materials they were using to tell our story. That's kind of how I started my morning. Then I then I went out to football practice. They started at seven fifteen this morning. I went out and watched them for a little bit, and then. Uh, a couple from the coast, great donors that have been away from the university and moved back to Mississippi. They were up here, so I took them out to practice, and then we toured the weight room and the locker room, and and the future home of the nutrition center. And I talked to them about the Eagle Club and our vision for for winning in the classroom, winning on the playing field, and winning in the community. And you know, then I had a had a quick lunch, and then I came back and met with um, well. Did some more work with the graphics firm, uh, spent about 20 minutes, uh, working on a, a gender equity and title nine initiative and some planning we're doing there. Then I went and met with, um, IMGL, which is, which is the ticket sales force that, that we outsource our outbound ticket calling function to. Spent about an hour with them strategizing on how to fill up the rock, how to fill up the peat, how to fill up the coliseum. I jumped on an NCAA um, webinar for about 10 minutes related to a really front burner concept that we're studying in college athletics today is the time demands being placed on college athletes and whether they need to be scaled back some. Is it too over the top with practice, games, film, meetings, life skills, community service? You know, there's so much opportunity for them, but so much in terms of responsibility as well, so I did that and, you know, and then I went back and looked at some more photos that, that, that the graphic artist had sent me and, and now I'm doing to the top talk and, but, but this part of the day, sharing with you, talking about a lot of things going on is really fulfilling to me. Cause I enjoy talking about Southern Miss and, you know, just the advancement of our program, how to do it, all of it. I do sincerely. No, you know, no kidding kidding, all kidding aside, I appreciate being on. Well,
0: I, I appreciate you coming on and and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this before I let you go. You know, we're we're kind of in an interesting time right now, and there's a lot of shakeups that feel like they're about to happen. What are your thoughts on the the current situation of conference realignment and where do you think Southern Miss falls into the mix?
1: Austin, Austin you said my next appointment is here I've, got, I've i've got i've got to wrap this call up immediately oh kidding you would be remiss yeah uh, that's funny that that just made me think of a a a scrum you know i was about i was about jamie to refer to you as a as a journalist and 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 valid and validate that you would uh, be remiss by not asking that question. (laughs) But in fact, instead, it made me think about this great interview I watched the other day and it it was, it was actually a radio interview that you can Google and listen to where Tom Herman, the the great head coach at the university of Houston was talking to a talk show host in Houston and uh, Tom Herman was really angry with this guy for reporting erroneous information. And Tom Herman uh, referred to the guy as a journalist and his failures as a journalist. And he said, I'm not a journalist coach. I'm an entertainer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I like and, uh, but uh, you'd be remiss as a journalist and an entertainer had you not asked me that question. So it is a crazy time, a really fluid landscape, you know, it's, I don't have a crystal ball, Jamie. I really don't. I talk to a lot of people in our industry. There's a lot reported, some that's accurate and, and much of it we know is not accurate. Um, I don't think it benefits the university for, for me to talk a lot about, um, opportunities, um, or conversations and, and things that some commissioners, um, prefer to be private, you know, we're not going to chase unrealistic, you know, opportunities that are not going to come our way. We're going to target opportunities that may be in front of us. And, you know, so interpret that however you choose. Um, we've done the smart things. We're telling our story. We're living our story, most importantly, you know, and 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 our expectation, our aspiration now is to be champions in Conference USA and forge ahead as the best program in this league, the the most broad-based successful program in this league, not just football, not just baseball, but across the board. And by doing that, we're going to position ourselves best for a changing landscape. And when opportunities present themselves, you know, hopefully we'll be able to seize them. And You know, our competitive history, which is really staggering when you look at the last 20 years, um, in term, in football. And that is the, you know, the case that we're going to make and are making if we're not in conference USA in the future. and, And I'm not predicting that we won't be. Um, we have a good league. We have a highly competitive league. We have a league that doesn't enjoy a great brand right now. And, and, and it's a league that's operating in a, in a crazy landscape. But, um, when you look at, at Southern Miss athletics and football in particular over the last 20 years, uh, relative to the rest of the country, it is, um, amazing. You know, our, our success and I've rattled off a few stats. Were you at, were you at the Golden Eagle fanfare? I was. You know, I, you might have laughed when you saw me take the stage, but, you know,
0: <laughs> not you at know, all. From
1: my view. But, you know, some of the stats I, I cited that day and, you know, I have studied and analyzed our competitive history, um, way back, but in particular the last 20 years, cause this modern era is what matters the most. You know, when, when you're, when you're talking about a program, many, many people that may listen to the, to the, um, podcast and to the top talk may not have been at the golden eagle fanfare so sure i want to cite i want to cite a few stats and this is the story that i share with national media with mississippi media with conference officials with colleagues with fans with everybody okay in terms of wins the last 20 years among the 64 schools in the group of five conferences and i don't use that term often but to frame some things, I'm going to use it today. We're ninth among the 64 schools. And also a matter of background, there's only 65 schools in the in the high resource five conferences. There's 64 in the group of five. So it's almost 50-50. But among the group of five, we have the ninth most wins. We have the 35th most if you just look at the high resource five. We're right in the middle of that group. We have uh, the second most winning seasons in the last 20 years in the group of five, the second-most bowl appearances, the third-most bowl wins, the fourth-most championships. Uh, We've been ranked, in terms of number of weeks in the last 20 years, the third-most. The final top 25 at the end of the year, we've been ranked three times, which is the fourth-most. We've had 29 draft picks, which is the sixth-most. You know, and it's also not just that it's, you know, in the early part of those of that 20 year history. And that's something I got to draw people back to is that our 12 win season, you know, was only four or five years ago. Right. You know, and that's that's among the most recent 12 win seasons uh, of any group of five school in the country. And then overall, we're the 37th winning program in the history of college football. So that whole story. You know, the winningest program in Mississippi the last 20 years, as you know, is not Ole Miss, it's not Mississippi State, it's Southern Miss. And I'm going to talk about those things every chance I get. And that's that's going to be the crux. You know, football's the financial engine, it's the emotional engine, and if there is another conference that's a destination for us in the future, we're not going to land in that conference because of the population in Mississippi, are we? You know, we're not going to land in that conference because of the number of television sets in Mississippi, we're not going to land in, in, in that conference because of um, the size of our enrollment or uh, the academic profile, or, you know, we're going to land in it because we've had one of the great football programs in America that's been well supported, that's won championships, and also done it with class that has a good reputation. Secondarily, But also importantly, I remind everybody at every opportunity about our baseball success, about having gone to Omaha, about two trips to the Women's College World Series. You can go through the 32 Division I conferences and about 25 of them have never had a school in the Women's College World Series. Never. Not one. You know, yeah. Southern Miss has been there twice. It doesn't matter that it was was 10 or 15 years ago. We've been there twice. Most people haven't. You know, the success in basketball, men's, women's basketball has been consistent over time. So a lot of good things. And then academically, this is our ninth straight year with an improving GPA. And so all of that's going to matter. But you'll hear me talk a lot, you know, privately and publicly about this, the football strength that we bring to the table in Conference USA and uh, and elsewhere.
0: And, and you've always been a guy that, since you've got here, you kind of keep things close to the vest until you're ready to reveal them, until they're ready to go. And I, I think that's terrific. And I, I really didn't expect you to delve too much into the whole uh, realignment issue because I know that you're you know working behind the scenes to put Southern Miss in the best position possible.
1: I didn't share anything. I didn't reveal anything, did I?
0: Not at all. Not at all. Thank you no but you you. you you revealed your strategy which is selling southern miss and i think that's the thing that uh anybody that's a southern miss fan can get behind
1: i hope so i think people are i think we've got momentum jamie uh we need to capitalize on the momentum uh there's just so much opportunity the resource challenge is severe and it is important that we turn this financial picture around by three million dollars probably you know in the in yeah. the next year or so just in terms of annual revenues that's you know, you've got the decreasing conference revenues and that's just the reality of it. And then you have the escalating costs with uh, scholarships going up four and a half percent plus the cost of attendance and just the escalating costs of commodities and things like that. We've got to have people step to the table and not not talk about it, not write about it, not get on message boards and, you know, do this, that and the other. But then I go, but but then I, but then I, I check their ticket or giving history and there is none. No. It's, and, and every dollar, every ticket bought matters. You know, it's not about Chuck Sienna giving seven figures and, and, uh, you know, a, another individual giving a hundred dollars to the Eagle club. It's, it's how collectively we do it and everybody's contribution at whatever is right for them is very important. Everybody can make a difference. And the individual that, you know, is a circle of champion right now that's given a hundred thousand dollars, heck, I'm asking that individual to invest two hundred thousand dollars. And the individual that, that uh right now has only uh, been able to give a hundred dollars annually, I'm asking them to take a look at whether 200's doable or one hundred fifty. Golden Eagles bringing other Golden Eagles to us, to the table, is a great way for our fans to help. I'm often asked, how can I help? You can help by, if you're not in the Eagle Club and you're not a season ticket holder, doing those two things. If you are and you're at your capacity, which many people are, you can help by bringing someone else on board. Calling me, calling Brian Morrison, calling Marcy Lanou, calling Chris Condit in our ticket office calling Brent Jones and telling us, hey, Bill, hey, Brent, hey, Brian, hey, Marcy, you know, my neighbor, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, you know, this colleague that I work with, this guy I went to school with at Southern Miss who's not involved, hey, would you reach out to him? You know, those kind of leads like that oftentimes will result in people becoming more engaged. Um, and that's really a great way for people to help us Again, regardless of what their personal wealth is. And, uh, I, I want to, I want to share on To The Top Talk how appreciative I am of every single investor, every single Golden Eagle, because they all matter. And I'm thankful, thankful for all of them.
0: And you can get in for as little as I believe $50 just to get into it. You can. You can. And, uh,
1: you know, and then we got a, a lot of other people out. Out there, Jamie, and this is kind of a different subject matter, maybe for another day, but you have so many folks out there that are Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU graduates, or lifelong fans in our community that I'm okay with being their second favorite team. Because they're not, good, they can't go to Tuscaloosa. They can't get a ticket, or they've got to work on a Saturday morning, so they can't make it happen, or Starkville, or Oxford, or what have you. Um, I want to get those fit. Those folks to enjoy college football at the Rock, enjoy college basketball, you know, at the, at the Coliseum and softball at the softball park. And, and, um, it's a community thing. And when we get to that project of doing Reed Green Coliseum, the only way it's going to get done is if everybody comes together in our community and believes that, Hey, forget the, forget the 15 or 20 times a year our basketball team is going to play there think about the other 330 or 340 days of the year that we're not getting events in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, in the Pine Belt, you know, where it's not, it's not limited to the Sanger Theater, which is a tremendous venue, or it's not limited to Brewski's, or it's not limited to Bennett Auditorium or a 50 year old building in the Coliseum, you know, and so they, and so, you know, we can't have certain events here, but if as a community, We want those things here and, you know, then, then we need a 7,000 seat state of the art venue and, uh, we can make that happen, but it, but it's only going to be if it's a collective desire. And the only way we're going to get to the top is if all Golden Eagles come together. And I feel like that's happening. I feel like that momentum is there. We don't need him to wait until after the Kentucky game to see if we win that game. We need him to do it today, tomorrow and the next day.
0: I think we could take our uh, last for life show over there. We could bring Frank Calando up to the, to the Coliseum.
1: Man, you guys did a fabulous job with that and, uh, great, great cause, um, you know, to, to support a very important cancer initiative. Uh, but there's so many things like that, uh, that we do a great job of in our community. Certainly. And we can do them on a, we can do them on a bigger scale, you know, if, if we have this kind of, this kind of venue. But I'm excited. I'm really excited about what's ahead in 16, 17. I think we got a big year on the horizon, um, in many, many ways. I'm, I'm pleased we've got the basketball situation, uh, it appears behind us. I think Doc, Doc was the right guy to steady this ship, to get us through this challenge. He can put that back together now and, and, and we can have success in basketball again in the future. Joy's gonna continue to do great things. You know, we're going to go into the 2017 baseball season expecting to go to a regional again. Wendy Hogue's got us on track and softball, doing an amazing job. You know, we just finished the most successful probably spring semester in a decade or more. Tennis is doing well. Golf's doing well. John Stewart's got our track and field program on a trajectory that we haven't been on in quite some time. Tori Bowie's going to go get a gold medal for us, um, at least one, before she leaves Rio, so... You know, Brian Dozier, heck, Dozier's gonna end up with 40 home runs. I mean, if he keeps this up, man, he is, he is doing it. And, uh, little old Southern Miss with, with, with two, two men going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame within three years.
0: Incredible. How about that?
1: You know, you, you can't tell me that there is a ceiling on what we can do at Southern Miss. When you have two men going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame within three years, there is no ceiling. We can play on New Year's Day in football at Southern Miss. Let's get it started in in two and a half weeks from now.
0: We've always been a place that does more with less, and it'd be amazing to see what we could do with more. Yep.
1: Yep. It would be, but we're not there yet. So, uh, but a little bit more, little bit more is really going to help us. So let's make it happen.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Bill. Uh, I know you, you're you a busy man. you got, you got a lot of things to do. But do you have any final words for these Southern Miss fans out there?
1: I think we've covered a lot of ground in, in the last uh, hour and nine minutes. Yes. Um, it, it has been great uh, to be a part of To the Top Talk. And, uh, you know, I guess just the final word would be, you know, as I look at the coin that I have in my pocket every day that, You know, has the winning in the classroom, winning on the playing field, winning in the community mantra there in the middle where it says to the top. Last year, I added that twist in italics with the word together. Um, That is the way forward to the top together. And my twist for this year is that it's to the top today, not tomorrow, not next year. It's to the top today. And let's go do it.